Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grip Locks Foundation Disc Golf Weekly Podcast. I'm Hunter, joined as always by Trevor and Connor, and you're listening to this on Monday, February 14th. Two things weird about that. One, we're recording on a Monday. We'll explain that after our ad read. And two, it's February 14th. So if you're listening to this, reminder, it's Valentine's Day. If you're just now reminding it, you're probably too late anyways, too late. but you got time. Salvage it. It's Valentine's Day. Uh, but before we get into the show, <laughs> let's go ahead and listen to a word from our sponsors. This show is brought to you by Manscaped. The leaders in male grooming have done it again to make your grooming game next level. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the new performance package 4.0 by heading over to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping using the code GRIPLOCK. The performance package 4.0 from Manscaped has arrived and oh boy is it worth the wait. First off, the new performance package 4.0 includes the lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is insane and dare I say the greatest ball trimmer ever. Yeah, you know what? I said it. Uh, their fourth generation trimmer features the cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Thanks to their advanced skin safe technology, the lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor. Connor, how many cylinders do you think that thing is? 7,000 RPM? Yeah. Wow, that's, like a, that's like a V8 right there. It's a there. lot of Kelvin. I mean, that's... <laughs> so it can outpull the new 4Runner. Don't even. Hear. Don't bring this up. <laughs> 7,000 RPM motor <laughs> and a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock, which is a very useful feature, and gives you the ability to turn on the 4,000 Kelvin LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Oh, and on top of all that, did I mention it's waterproof too? You thought that was good, but want to take your grooming game even further to the next level. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM. Dang, wow. now we're really pulling. <laughs> Motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. It's a rotary? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A Mazda RX-7. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Seal the deal with Manscaped's liquid formulations, their crop preserver ball deodorant for, wow, before you leave the house, and crop reviver ball toner for a mid-game ball check. Trust me when I say this, fellas, your balls will thank you. So don't forget to get 20% off and free shipping with the code GRIPLOCKED at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code, one word, GRIPLOCKED over at manscaped.com. Your balls have been through enough this past year. Treat them with the best tools for the job over at Manscaped. All right, so let's quickly explain why you're listening to our voices on Monday. If you are listening when they drop, this is a new schedule for this show. We were thinking through, and there's a few different things that play into it. Number one, we talk about results a lot, and with the season coming up, we figured what better time to talk about results than on a Monday, because then it's fresh on your mind, fresh on our mind, and if you want to be in the know about what's going down, Monday's the best time to get that information right away. So if you did, you couldn't catch it over the weekend, boom, you can listen to your results here. But more importantly, it's because starting this week, there's a new show on Thursday launching the Trevor Staub Show. Heck yeah. Uh, you might have noticed the absence of the, an interview show on our podcast network for about a month now, and that is happening no longer. Trevor is going to be uh, bringing you the interviews you want to hear all throughout the season, um, interviewing interesting people in disc golf and in, uh, around disc golf, uh, so people all over the industry. Uh, who's the first interview this week? I think the first interview is going to end up being Drew Gibson. Drew Gibson. Heck cool. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's going to be super exciting. Juicy, juicy, gossipy details. Oh, heck yeah. That's, you know, <laughs> at TMZ, we love that kind of stuff. Yeah, man, that's all uh, it is about. Uh, but one thing that I am super looking forward to about Trevor's show, other than it being Trevor's show, is it's not going to be just like, oh, so-and-so won this week, let's have them on the show. Oh, Ricky won again, let's have him back on the show. Oh, Paul won, let's have him on the show now. It's interviews that are sometimes behind-the-scenes stuff, sometimes they are the players that won, uh, but just inter- interesting interviews that kind of give you a different look at disc golf, um, which I, we felt like was a needed space and uh, super excited to start that off. So that's coming on Thursday, which pushed us to Monday, which I think makes a little more sense for Grip Locked anyways. Well, more importantly, we avoid the Wednesday curse now. Yeah. Well, we now will- it's going to be the Monday curse. I'm sure it'll slowly switch over. But realistically, who wants to announce something on a Monday? So, you know, we might have just solved everything. Yeah. No one wants to announce why does on a people, Monday. Why does people like why do people announce on a Wednesday? I don't know, but they do. They always do. They, yeah, they always do. Well, we did have disc golf this past weekend. The all-star event went down. The uh, results from that, we had Team Katrina taking down Team Page 7-6 to six points-wise. Then we had Team Calvin taking down Eagle, also 7-6. to six. Uh, In singles, Katrina Allen had the hot round at 7 under par, and Calvin Heimberg had the hot round at 13 under par. So the respective Calvin, or respective Calvins, respective <laughs> captains uh, took down the singles, although the overall score didn't matter. It was just the head-to-head. Mm-hmm. Um, 
between the the players. So in case, just a brief summary of what the format was, they split into two different teams, Calvin and Eagle, and then Katrina and Paige. They drafted their teams. They assigned them to three different skills competition of putting, distance, accuracy, uh, the skills to competitions, if you won, you awarded a point for your team. Then you played doubles head-to-head against a matchup. If the doubles team that won, again, awarded a point to their team. And then the same thing on singles, you were head-to-head stroke play matchup. If you won your head-to-head matchup, you also awarded your point to your team. So, starting with the skills format, competition. The format was pretty good, honestly. Yeah. The way it played out, it, it ended up playing it ended out up being entertaining. pretty well. Yeah, so the skills competitions were okay. They happened on Friday. Uh it was the scheduling of them, I think, could have been a little bit better because you had FPO go off at three and then you had MPO at six. And there was this awkward like hour in between and also having only FPO go at once for the skills competition and then MPO only go at once mm-hmm. left like some weird downtime where I think I'm all for separate streams for the actual rounds because we'll talk about that in a second, how much I, I really enjoyed watching the rounds this weekend. But for the skills competition... I think flow-wise and pacing-wise, it would have worked a lot better if they were all together because you could have had like the FPO distance, and then while FPO is walking up to the skills, the MPO distance can go on, yeah. and then you go straight into the FPO skills, and then straight to the MPO skills, and it would have not as much downtime in between. Um, that I think that was the biggest thing was that I personally noticed is the actual event and what they had them do was was entertaining. The line hitting, the distance, and the putting. They they had three good skills competition and the format of them were pretty good. I saw some people complaining about the like accuracy needed in the distance comp, but that's usual. Yeah, like, I mean, that's, that's pretty much always yeah. how it is. It was a little tighter than normal, but I've never seen a distance competition where there wasn't some type of like you got to land within these boundaries type thing. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean the the formats themselves, there wasn't really much to complain about. The one thing that I noticed was I think part of why it wasn't as entertaining as it could have been. Was I was I felt like one step removed from the event. Yeah. Um. I think this is mainly because the commentators were in a booth in Oregon and not on the ground in Arizona during the rounds. We've talked about that before during the actual like mm-hmm. pro tour season. Uh. But you don't really notice it too much during an actual round going on because during a round, even if the the commentators could get extra insight if they're on the ground, but they're not walking with the card holding a mic, yada yada yada. They they'd be removed from the action anyways. This, an all-star event, for the skills contest, you almost want the commentators who are talking about it to be right there. Yeah. Because then it would have better captured the energy that was going on. Yeah, those skill those skills events are all about atmosphere because, like you said, it can get... The pacing for those can be tough, and I think they made it even tougher not layering them in and, and separating it out. Um, but, yeah, like having them down there, like you can feel the energy more. Uh, it's funny because around the same time as this all-star was going on they had the uh, waste management on the pga tour and i've been seeing all these clips of like the loudest hole in golf like the whole 16 which for starters i think disc golf needs to make one of those somewhere probably like whole whole eight at maple hills close thing we got right but we need somewhere where we can build grandstands and yeah. stuff to where it's like make it like the loudest hole in disc golf but a lot of the effect of that is like they have you know people there so like when they cut like even when you hear the commentator's talking over things that are happening like you hear the noise in the background like well some of that's just audio mixing well right but that's what i'm saying like if you that's something that we didn't get like um like i noticed that with the shot with james conrad last year is like you hear the crowd noise and then it cuts like to the studio and it's just like that's all gone and you hear voices like it i think disc golf production needs to do a better job of incorporating like you, even if the, the commentators can't be there, you have to yeah, you have to let the atmosphere leak into it just enough. Not like where they have to yell over it, yeah. But like to where you don't feel like you you you're cutting away, yeah. You know, every time they have to talk, but I agree the format, the format for the All Star uh, Skills Competition was good. I I think it's like it's really tough to do those types of events. Like even like I've I've mentioned last week, I think in like other pro sports sometimes it can be hard to get the pros like invested into that stuff and like make it entertaining. Some of them, some of the events speak for themselves. Like the distance would be probably the disc golf equivalent where others, you kind of just have to like hype it up uh, and make it just look really cool. But um, no, I would say like it was executed well, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. Yeah. I mean, all, like I said, all in all, it was about as, as good as live streaming a skills event could be just because yeah. the pace, like you were saying, the pace and that type of stuff, it's always going to be tough to accomplish. Yeah. But it did bring us some sick moments. Like we had a pretty thrilling finish in the MPO distance comp where 
Garrett Gerthy had to throw 680, and then he like pumped one out on his final throw, and we all you're just sitting there in suspense waiting. It was like 661 feet, only 661 feet. Um, yeah, and weak. it was so it was like 20 feet <laughs> short, but like you're watching it fly, and then like everyone was waiting for the Bushnell guy, like who's out there to yeah. shoot it. And I don't, first off, I just felt victim to this. Can we stop saying Bushnell instead of rangefinder? Oh, they're just like they're just calling Bushnell. They're just well on the Bushnell. pro tour. It's one thing because like the Bushnell sponsors, they paid so much they might be paying them to call it a Bushnell. But like yeah. I is leaked into my life where I like when I pull out a range yeah, finder, I think of it as like it oh Bushnell. I just pull out my Bushnell real quick. Like I haven't fallen into that trap yet. <laughs> I, yeah, I catch myself like we were on the golf course and like actually playing golf. Yeah. And my brother in law Kent had a range finder. Yeah, wasn't a Bushnell brand. I was like, hey, can you hand me your Bushnell real quick? And he's like, looked at me like, tough, my man. what? And I was like, oh my That's gosh. Bushnell's, getting, <laughs> Bushnell's getting exactly what they wanted. Yeah. Man. They, they, you they, right I the just, trap. It's just, I think of Rangefinder and all I can think of is Bushnell. Anyways, That's perfect marketing. Man. Uh, they, really, yeah. they positioned well. Uh, so they would shoot that and it was like, you know, waiting in suspense. Uh, and then on the FPO putting, we had Heather, Heather Young, Heather Young set a line off. that it wasn't broken until like the last two or three MPO guys she's, went. She is lethal. On yeah. That. It was thrilling. And then also on the MPO putting, Conrad had a line to beat and then stepped up to the 45-footer. It was like it seemed like it wasn't going to happen. And then just banged five in a row. Yeah. It was thrilling. Uh, it was funny because we were watching it and Liz, my wife, was watching it with me. And she said something about like Conrad hit one of the putts on the station before and was walking to the 45-footer. She's like, how like how hard is 45 foot feet? For like, him? She's like, like are these guys, like do I, should I expect him to like make them all? Or what? I'm like, no. I was like, he'll probably make like three. I was like, but making them all from 45 feet, like that's it. Like no one will really do that. And then he just yeah. made it look so easy. Wow. She's like, that didn't look hard. I was like, gosh darn it. <laughs> I would like to know, like, I'd like them to like film pros like Conrad putting from like their steppers from like that distance. And they give me the breakdown of how, how much distance they t- they are able to take away from before, the putt. Like, before actually it comes throwing out there. Because like Conrad gets further out there than anybody because he's so lanky. He's probably like 40 feet. That's what I'm saying. I want to I want to know like what pros take the most distance away from a step putt compared to others. Yeah. Because he like, yeah, it looks like he's just handing the disc to the basket from like yeah. circle's edge. Yeah. Then he, I think he needed to hit the bonus putt for it to, for him to like win the point for his team. And he didn't, he wasn't able to do it. Uh, but then we moved over to doubles on Saturday, and on the FPO side, there was a little bit of rust that was pretty uh, evident. It was on mainly, to be honest with you, some of the women who had switched bags this offseason. Rust or nerves? Probably a combination of both, to be honest with you. Um, but some of it was weird because like, one of the things I noticed was Katrina Allen on Saturday seemed like she just didn't know what some of her discs were going to do. Because she would release it, and you would oh. able, you'd be able to like audibly hear her yeah. be like, I, "That thing shouldn't flip that much." Is what she would say. That's and not it, what you it, want. Like, <laughs> that's not what you Well, that's what I was watching on Saturday, and I was thinking like, "Oh boy, this is a tough look." Because yeah. she just seemed like frustrated. She seemed out of it. But then on Sunday, she comes out, and like I already said, she had the hot round. Yeah. So she, she was she turned around. Like on Sunday, she was throwing some incredible shots with mm. her. I don't even know what they were. I'd assume it was a hurricane. I, I know I saw a squall in her bag and stuff like that. She was throwing some incredible shots with the DGA There's stuff. There's plenty of DGA molds um, that, that do the job. Yeah. But then Haley King surprisingly didn't seem that comfortable. I thought like Haley King was basically going to be coming back home to Innova. And I thought she'd right. be able to like, just step right in. But a lot of times they cut to her and she was, something just seemed off. And then Kona was, was struggling out there as well. Which I think Kona, part of it in my head, thinks it is a lot of nerves. Because well, she's got the big contract. Exactly. Yeah. She's got a lot more to live up to because Haley King. Yeah, she switched contracts. But we don't know her numbers. We right. don't know. And same thing with Katrina Allen. Like Kat, she basically just is, needs to perform to her level. Kona has to get better. That is something to consider when you talk about uh, the contract numbers being public is uh, the pressure it's going to put on the player that you're giving that contract because now they they know that people are looking at them yeah. like that kind of athlete. Well, if you look at like Ricky and Paul right or even Chris and Tatar who those are the ones that we've talked about their contracts being public and stuff yeah. they're all like they just need to perform to the level they're currently at you right, know what I mean they're right. like Paul and Ricky top Kona of the game. probably feels like Kristen, she needs to elevate yeah Kona got this big contract being ninth ranked in the world right and she's feeling like hey I need to be in the top like three or four mm-hmm. which that's a big ju- and on FPO the top four or five women it's gonna which, be a dog fight this year. yeah the top four or five women <laughs> yeah are almost in their own division above like there, there's people in the like like Haley King Missy Gannon Kona 
uh, Owen Scoggins, Rebecca Cox. There's players who can pump into that echelon, uh, mm-hmm. that top echelon, but there's those five of Katrina Allen, Hannah Blomroos, uh, Kristen Zatar, Evelina Solonen, and Paige Pierce. It's going to be hard to crack that. Those five, yeah. it, not there's got, it, it's hard to imagine a tournament where all five of them are at and one of them doesn't win. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And so when you're Kona and you're currently sitting in ninth place and publicly you're making more than all but one of them, it, it probably puts Honestly, pressure on of like, I need to get into that top five. And when you're not, it. The more I, I hear that top five, the more it makes me want to make a crazy bet like I did uh, last year with the Paul thing. And the Paul one was like astronomical. Shit. Yeah. But I almost feel like there, there would be a, like, what kind of odds are you giving me if I say to you, nobody wins except for those five? At think, tournaments, they're all I think at. I already made that take. Was that my crazy take? I think I did. I, don't know. I think yeah. At a tur- I, that was like my that. take. It was at a tournament that all five of those are, them are at. Nobody else beats them. I, I mean, I think those are pretty low odds because I think that's like gonna happen. Do you think it's gonna happen too? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Someone's take. Not someone called time. into debate night and they had a hot take that the, said the question Paige is how many was only gonna up? win one. Or uh, they just said Paige wasn't gonna win or only win one tournament this year that all five of them are at. Oh. That was a tougher take. It, yeah, it's it's interesting to think like is. Is it going to be one of the FPO players that kind of like has the dominant season and everybody else is kind of just, or is it just going to be like a rotation? I don't know. I hope it's a rotation, but yeah, it's going, going to be, be interesting to I see. I can't wait. On the MPO side, I mean, they, they kind of all came out firing. There wasn't much signs of rust or nerves. They all seemed loose, seemed on fire. Um, the entire field shot 14 under, except for Nico and Gannon. They shot 13 under. So like they were all just <laughs> <Losers>. right there. <laughs> yeah. They were all just right there. One thing that was interesting was uh, Kyle Klein and Adam Hammes were paired up as doubles partners, and they had a stretch from like hole three to hole 16 where they didn't take a par. They had all birdies and one bogey. But when you would watch them, what was interesting was like they weren't on at the same time. Yeah. So like Adam would mess up, and then Kyle would put it close, and then Kyle would mess up, and then Adam would put it close, or then Adam would miss a putt, Kyle would hit the putt. They... Yeah, they should they should invite us out there next year to be like the uh, control group. Like we'll play the course first double, so they understand what what like normal average golfers do, and then just watch them all go out there yeah. and shred shred it. Uh, just it, it, five hundred for the holes. MPO. It wasn't that long of a course. I think uh, I forget how long it was. I think it was like eight thousand feet or something like that. Um, for for a golf course, yeah, it's I, not that. If long. I'm, I guess if I'm doing an all star event, I don't I don't know. You kind of like, wanted to be shreddable. Yeah, you you definitely want it to be shreddable. You want the scores to be like super low, and then I guess like like having it open is probably smart too because you're gonna get to see big drives. Yeah, well, like one of the, the highlights. Roller, yeah, yeah. I'd say one of the highlights was Ezra laid down this like probably realistically probably like 680 foot roller on a par four, and then James Conrad hit the like 60 70 foot putt mm-hmm. for the eagle. That was like one of the highlights of the doubles round. Uh, on the FPO side, you had like Deanne Carey had a pretty sick throw in and stuff like that. So there was a lot of like highlights that came out of the weekend, especially yeah. during the singles round, um, which we'll get into here. But the singles round was their first real look at the players this year. Like I said earlier, Kona and Haley still seemed to struggle a bit with their bag, but Kat got herself together. So I don't yeah. know what happened overnight between doubles and singles, but I didn't notice well, she any of out the, that, that disc flipped like that. Yeah, she I didn't knows. notice any of the like. <laughs> Oh my word! I can't believe like because the she was throwing a decent line and then you could just tell that she didn't know the disc would do what it did. But then I, in singles, that just didn't happen. She'd been with Prodigy for a long time. Yeah, like that nine is, years. That is all she knew for nine years. Like I, I mean, I probably went stretches where I had, like I don't know if I've ever thrown a consistently like the same molds for longer than like a year. Yeah, like it's nine years is something. That's a long time. Uh, and so the. FBO finish was pretty thrilling. There was a lot of back and forth. I really liked the format per- personally. Um, it was confusing at times, but I think that is mainly due to one thing that we'll talk about in about 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> but on the MPO side, it was a truly thrilling finish because first off, you have Nico and Matteo going off and going back and forth. Matteo's up three. And then out of nowhere, Nico hits a 530-foot ace. That was insane. And Matteo takes a four on the same hole. So now, one hole later, that three-stroke lead, gone. They're tied. Next hole, Nico birdies. Matteo pars. So now Nico's up one. And then he was able to ride that all the way in to gain his team a point. So now, coming down the stretch, you had Calvin and Eagle head-to-head. Uh, essentially, I believe Adam and... who was It might have been Adam and Kyle were the other two matchup. But Adam and whoever his matchup were 
were basically irrelevant at 18. Like it was something crazy needed to happen and it did happen because Adam like threw OB twice and he was blowing up. Maybe it was Kevin Jones. So whoever it was that Adam was going against, that off the like second shot, you already knew, okay, they're getting a point there. So basically Eagle and Calvin, whoever won hole 18, Eagle was down by one. If Eagle got a two-stroke swing on Calvin, Eagle's team won. Mm -hmm. If Calvin held him off, Calvin's team won. If they tied, they were both going to get a half point. The whole All-Star event would have been tied, and then Calvin and Eagle would have went into a head-to-head playoff uh, for the All-Star event title. So they both throw their drive on 18, and then both throw their second shot. Eagle's drive was a little shorter. Eagle pulled his second shot. He threw about as good as he could have. It was like 120, 130 feet, but under this tree. So you're watching it, and like... You deep down know, like, okay, it's done. Calvin put it to, like, 28 feet or so uphill. Not an easy putt, but, again, Eagle had to make his for mm-hmm. three. So, Eagle steps up, and then they show the behind the ca- behind camera, and there's, like, branches hanging down that are covering half the basket, and then there's, like, this little hole up to the right. He had nothing. And so, you're looking at it, you're like, uphill, oh. Uphill, like. Yeah, you're like, oh, even even if he were to throw it in somehow, like, he needed to, there's no there's no line here. Yeah. Like, I, I was expecting, like, a low spinner, nose up, mm-hmm. and then he starts aiming at the upper right gap. I was literally in my head, like, okay, well, he's, I know he's running it, but that's such a stupid run. Like, there's no way it goes in. <laughs> and then he threw it. And the thing's just like floating through the air. And then like halfway there, he fist pumps and starts running. And I was like, what is he doing? And then sure enough, dead it's center. It's like a knifing <laughs> hyzer putt. Yeah, it Something was a, you never see. It was insane. It was so sick. And so then now Calvin has a 28 footer with pressure on him because if Calvin misses that, A, there's a rollaway potential that he could lose the whole thing. Yeah. B, if he misses it and stays close, they're going to a playoff. It reminded me that was just like the putt he had. Was it... Was it at Worlds or was it Idlewild? I think it might have been Idlewild. There was a putt where he had like he was from a knee, low ceiling. That was headwind. Calvin, right? No, at Idlewild. No, I think it was. No, it was Calvin at Jonesboro. It's a putt I'm thinking of. It, the one where it was the, the low Eagle ceiling. Eagle at Idlewild. Yeah, so he, he was low ceiling, under like on a knee up a hill into a headwind and just somehow spun it in there. Like, he has so much spin. Yeah, Eagle is never out of it. Yeah, like, he always has some kind of run. So it's he insane. hit that, and then Calvin steps up not a care in the world because he's a robot yeah. and just dead center. I was hoping he missed it just for Calvin. I think Calvin is going to have a little playoff, bit of a chip this year because I mean, he, I think he underperformed a little bit last year. So, you know, obviously he had the hot round, so good signs for him. Although it's funny. Like if we think about the all-star event last year, it was what Paul and Kona mm-hmm. that won it. So what does that tell us? That tells us that uh, Calvin is going to win. USAGC. Well, I do think that this. I do think. <laughs> I do think this is a better tell of. This is a better showing. The course was. The course is more similar to Las Vegas than last year's All Star mm. event. So right, a little more of a preview. It was a little bit more of a preview, but again, not I think really. The wind wasn't crazy though. So no, wind wasn't crazy. And be a big tell. one other storyline that came out of it is first off, Connor Rio, you an apology because Eagle did end up doing putting. His injured shoulder was a I'm bigger gonna, deal than we thought. I I'm, got a lot of DMs about that. I'm going to give you a half an apology. No, I'm going to give you a full apology. Well, because like, <laughs> do you, as long as everybody understands like why we said that, had we known he was injured, we did know he was injured. No, we just forgot. We didn't. Had think we remembered was, he was injured, yeah. we never would have made fun of Connor. Yeah. No, ever. I just thought I don't I, blame you guys. I knew, I, if he wasn't injured, it was a silly pick. I knew he was injured. I thought he was back to a hundred percent. This weekend, he wasn't throwing sidearms. From what I understood from the commentary, it sounds like he can throw sidearms. He just didn't want to risk it yet, and like maybe uh, a little bit later in the season, seemed, he'll start. He throwing seemed more. pretty capable. So, but yeah, I mean, his backhand was a, normal. Uh, he was ripping shots all over the place, and then shockingly, no one. I didn't expect this. He says it was to a 360 foot par three and just throws lefty and put love it to that. like 28 feet. <laughs> I, I he love put, that. He put it at 28 feet and hit, hit the putt for the birdie. And then his upshot on one of the par fours, he threw lefty again. I want to. That was one of my par lays. I wonder. I still want. <laughs> I still wonder. Like, that was a trend back in the day. The Like, there were a lot of players before uh, the forehand throw got super popular. There was a lot of guys who thought that, like, being able to learn how to throw lefty hyzers was going to be like a big advantage. And there were a lot of players who had it and like used it. Nico was a Nico big one. Nico used it at whole three USCGC. He threw it at Memorial. Mm-hmm. Like there were a lot of guys that were learning that. And then people realized like, why would you do that? Just throw a forehand. It's, you can look at the target. It's great. Yeah. But uh, I, I wonder if like there will ever be a player who will, because like there are guys who have made it to major league baseball, like the big leagues, never like with a ton of relevance, but there are guys who were able to get there pitching with both arms. It's like, 
that tells me that like there is like I've seen ambidextrous disc golfers that are like pretty good with both arms. Like I wonder if that'll happen someday where we'll get somebody who like is very good with both arms and yeah. just like shreds. I was disappointed. I was disappointed that Eagle didn't hit the putt with his left hand. So got to take a style point off for that. And he did putt with his right hand. I feel hand. like the footwork would be like half the battle, like the yeah. lower body sink. Yeah, I mean, and then it, like going back to your his form looked good. <laughs> Lefty, it looked it almost it kind of awesome. looked like when Gannon Burr flipped the foot. Yeah, flipped Gannon the Burr footage. had me thinking he was a freak of nature for <laughs> about ten minutes there. Yeah. Uh, I want to see more of that in the All Star events, though. Is like people trying to do crazy. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious if at Vegas Eagle pulls it out, or if he was like pulling it out. It's like, hey, look at this trick I can do because it's the All Star. I event. will mm-hmm. say that like there are some All Star events where they have tr- like pro All Star events have taken like two approaches before. Like like baseball, for example, they took the approach of at, this used to be the rule that like the winning team in the All Star game, like that division like the al or the nl was going to get home field advantage in the world series like they were like let's let's make the all-star better by putting real stakes on the line and then other all-star games have just like left it completely up for fun like the nba for example and then you have guys just doing ridiculous things and like that's kind of fun so it's like there's almost like a balance to where i think with disc golf if you just had them out there playing for really not much of anything like i think because they got cash bonuses right for winning Yes. Yeah. So, like, if you had them out there for pretty much anything, you probably would see a lot more like crazy. Lines, they should do a. Uh, it'd be fun to do like a cash bonus on the like trick shot of the weekend. I just want to see like I want to see them go. You know what I, mean? I want to see them all step up to like, a water hole and not be worried about the result and all try to throw the skip shot. That's you what I'm know? saying. It's like it maybe put like, some put some type of me. incentive on a like the, a Simon line bonus or something like that. Oh gosh, don't call it a Simon line bonus. Well, I mean that's just in disc golf. I get what you're, I get what you're saying. But though. like, like you step some up type of incentive to where like. Yeah, like Eagle. Yeah, I could if he's it's like fully a different normal, kind of He's mango. like, I could throw forehand here, but like I kind of want that Sounds trick like, shot bonus if I park it with my leg. Yeah, that's, <laughs> maybe, that's a good that, maybe that's what we do. Ripped Revenge, Ripped Revenge All-Star All-Star Star Stars event. event. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, there I we would, go. I would actually love to see like very high level pros like all play Rip together. Yeah. We, we played with Paul and with Gannon but, and with Brody as well. But uh, I'd like to see like a full match of that. That'd be pretty thrilling. Apparently, back in the day, I was meeting, I was talking to like the Ripped Revenge founder the other day, and uh, apparently, back in the day when like first launched alongside Innova, they had like Schwebby, Barry Schultz, Dave Dude. Wiggins, and someone else at US at the oh, USDGC course. Schwebby would hide. They did like oh. a, a Ripped Revenge event, and so people come to watch, and it was all of them at the USDGC course Dude, playing Ripped. Sh- I guarantee so you, Schwebby would be dirty at Ripped Revenge. Yeah, he's got so many weird trick shots. Yeah. But I don't know. I do like like a trick shot bonus next year. If you're listening, trick shot bonus. I yeah. I like like you step up to a hole and it's very clear like if you attempt this kind of shot on this hole, whether it's a lefty or you skip one off the water or whatever, that's a bonus. Yeah, I like that. That'd be kind of cool. One other thing that we got a little bit of a preview on was the new. uh, Some of the new rules for 2022 are obviously in effect at this tournament. And one of them that caused some confusion multiple different times on MPO and FPO. The line. Was the new OB rule. So essentially uh, the change was now if you're out of bounds, if your disc goes out of bounds, instead of just a perpendicular, you have a semicircle of a meter. So if you want to take so it. you could get closer to the basket. Well, you could always get closer to the basket if the line is facing. Oh, right. right, right. But now it's a semicircle. You so now. you don't, right before it had to be perpendicular no matter what. So you yeah. can't go farther than a meter away, but basically you can take that meter in any direction. If your disc is OB. So everyone understood that rule. What's confusing is if your disc is an OB, but you're mm-hmm. close to the OB line, you only get a meter perpendicular. So it's two different rules. So mm. it differentiates. If your disc is OB, you get a semicircle meter. If your disc is an OB, you take it last. So this is the PDGA's explanation. It says, mm. this change gives the player more flexibility after going out of bounds. This change is essentially... Especially important where multiple out of bounds lines intersect, such as like corners and stuff like that, or where obstacles prevent the player from taking a legal stance, maybe within one meter of the out of bounds area. It prevents excess relief in the cases of intersecting OB lines at acute angles or in tight space, and it also prevents a player who lands inbounds from having to abandon the throw if no legal stance can be taken along a perpendicular one meter line. This change also treats discs that are OB and nearly OB differently. And the only part that doesn't make sense in there is prevents a player who lands inbounds from having to abandon the throw if no legal stance can be taken along a perpendicular one meter line. So what, what does that mean? I don't know, dude. Because then the next line says it treats discs that are OB and nearly OB differently. When I can walk up to the basket now and wedge it in the side of the cage and that counts, 
I lost a little bit of hope in the rules. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't, like, I don't, that's, that just is absurd to me. But, but we did see several times where the a, semicircle a disc, thing makes sense. I, I, yeah, I think the only thing that gets confusing is like, I'm an inch shy of OB. It's now treated differently than I'm all the way in OB. Yeah. Like that's the only thing that might get a little confusing for well, players. Well, and it's it's but, crazy too cuz like it's like if you actually do go all the way out of bounds, it's like it's a little reward. But you get a stroke <laughs> and it's a penalty. stroke penalty as well, but Yeah. Uh but yeah, I mean we did see that cause some confusion for players out there. You know, why it caused confusion? It seemed like the players that just didn't seem, understand the rule, yeah. but like I was say that's not like you've now explained that to me. I would not have problem executing that cuz it's very black and white. It's like out of bounds, semicircle. Not out of bounds, straight line. I do think that I, I do think it. that like this weekend made it black and white. Let me find the technical PDGA out of bounds rule because I'm pretty sure in the rule book it like doesn't directly correlate but that. If they're trying to okay, if the semicircle rule though is trying to avoid certain conflictions with OB lines and obstacles, somebody an inch from OB is going to have those same conflictions. Having to yeah, take well, this the old so basically so the like, new rule just you don't says really solve any problem. A lie designated by a marker disc placed on the playing surface up to one meter away from the point where the disc was last in bounds. So that's where it's like you can go one meter in any direction now. Um, but I think what you'd have to go is casual relief, or it's somewhere in relief area, maybe. I want to read what they said. I guess it's easier if they it to use like because like it doesn't really say anything about like a disc getting close to OB because if you're using a semicircle and you can use the OB line as the cap of the circle you know nobody can exploit the circle because you have a line to mark the circle right but if you're off of the OB somebody could technically get a little bit ahead yeah okay here it is the circle and it could it could break that yeah so it is pretty black and white so if the position of the thrown disc is inbounds and within one meter of an out-of-bounds line the lie may be relocated to a new lie at any point on a one meter line that extends perpendicularly from the point on the out-of-bounds line and passes through the thrown discs alternatively when the thrown disc is within one meter of a corner the lie may be relocated on a one meter line that extends from that corner through the thrown disc so yeah so basically i don't know why there was confusion but there was i think it's just it's players probably didn't more fully like understand yeah it's probably yet. more players being like why is this a rule yeah, but that's just, more than I didn't. The only thing I didn't like about it is like that's the type of stuff that should have been. This came out December first that this was a proposed mm-hmm. rule. You had two and a half months to mm-hmm. to ask why why is the rule this way? I feel like the or rule, at least learn it. Like it's your job to know that. Yeah, the new yeah. rules like aren't necessarily broadcasted super efficiently. I was posted everywhere. They're posted. What was very funny to me, but like you have to kind of seek them out. What was very funny to me is one of the people who didn't understand the new rule that was like arguing of like well, this, well i don't understand this with sarah hokum and she is the player like on the pga's website her and i believe it's brian Earhart are the ones who are hosting this like video series going over the rules that's for funny. the players of like that's funny. i forget what it's called like rule school or something like that and she's like a co-host of it and then she's that's like funny. sitting there she's like so because i'm not ob i don't get the semicircle but if i was ob i would was, yeah I, was like, I, I do agree though funny. it's a little bit hypocritical when they're like we're gonna we're gonna give you the semicircle to avoid these things, but then, if you're an intramo B, you don't get it, and you're not gonna be able to avoid those things. So well, it's I guess like, it's because it'd be weird if like I'm an intramo B now I have to deter, or like maybe you're realistically it's more like if I'm it's three definitely feet from it's OB, definitely because the line helps draw the circle. That's what I'm saying. Because yeah. if I'm three feet from OB, I do I, I have to go perpendicular there, and then because yeah. what would end up happening is if Connor or like the camera is the basket, so it's straight ahead of me, and you're the OB to my left. And my disc is now within three feet of you, the OB line. Every player now is taking relief forward. Right. For no reason. Right. Versus like if it's a penalty and I'm OB, I had a penalty stroke. So I still got a penalty stroke. So I think that's why they had to do it because you basically just be able to abuse that rule. I'm taking that circle. To move it closer. Go ahead and call me. I dare you. Yeah. (laughs) Just call me. Anyways, uh, the final thing that I noticed this All Star weekend. And I haven't seen anything published about this, but it's very interesting. Whoa. Is so All Star Weekend news. was using PDGA Live for their live scoring. Oh yeah, yeah. And UDisc still hasn't published their 2022 schedule, which makes me wonder: is like and part of PDGA Live just overhauled the way? Yeah, their is whole part look. of the whole Pro Tour PDGA merge that UDisc got kicked to the curb because the that UDisc, would be frustrating and, UDisc, for UDisc and the PDGA did part ways to where like your PDGA membership doesn't get you UDisc yeah, anymore. Yeah. I noticed um, that. I did just I'd be lying if I didn't I just fork, paid. Yeah, I just I paid, paid the 15 bucks for the year. I did too. Uh, Gosh dang it. They got but us. But <laughs> what was frustrating to me 
was that UDisc is just a better product right now, UDisc yeah. Live. Because, like, for instance, the live scoring, like I was saying, it was hard to follow this weekend's live scoring and singles and stuff because all it was was you went to yeah. it and you saw the singles leaderboard. And let me not, let me, but, I don't want to have to go to a website either. Like, develop an app. That's fine. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, I want the app. The PJ Live was just a scoreboard that was like had the 14 names, right? Yeah. UDisc would have had the head-to-head matchups yes. of like this and this, this and this. So like you could have went and been like, oh, because like it didn't matter if if Calvin and Eagle were head-to-head, which they were, but this wasn't the true part. If Calvin is six, like seven strokes ahead of Eagle and then Calvin and Adam Hammonds are right neck and neck, Calvin and Adam Hammonds don't matter. Yeah. So like if Adam Hammonds overtook Calvin on the leaderboard, right. that wouldn't mean anything. That was very me. confusing. Yeah, when I looked at the leaderboard, I was like, well, this is pretty impossible to read because none of this is like relevant the other thing that it took away was seeing the like updated shots Mm -hmm. of like yeah that's that's such a big one you can't because like we used to be able to with you like all the time we followed disc golf like we were watching it without actually watching the live coverage yeah because you'd be able to watch it be like like, oh "Oh, he's got a circle two putt Mm -hmm. dude if you couldn't see i'm telling you right and like don't like we don't have to give them the heat because there'll be plenty of heat yeah. if, if this is true but you're probably I bet you're right I bet you they're going to go with PDJ live this year yeah and now I hope they didn't sign anything long all term. you got to do PDJ live is look your the PDJ live scoring platform it looks fine right it works well I'd still like there to be an app but sure an app that's completely app. irrelevant I don't care about the app well, it's pretty relevant Okay, it's relevant. You I need an app. app. I want an app. But more than you need an app, you <laughs> you need to develop the actual live scoring of like Circle 2 in the fairway, stuff like that. Not for a casual C tier, but for the Pro Tour, if we yeah. go PDJ Live, you got to have at least that. And please, UDisc, please, and please. And UDisc like had a volunteer system like in place to like yeah. get all that stuff done. Like that's a that's a big undertaking. I'm curious if you if it's true if it'll hurt UDisc at all. And what's to stop UDisc from going to the events anyways? Mm. That's the big question. Now, they might not have, they might not be able to follow as closely, like get up with the groups, but you could still follow enough. Like, what's to stop UDisc from just going and keeping scoring? Well, I think one of the biggest things that UDisc would lose (laughs) from this is the ad revenue because they're running ads on the UDisc live live scoring that obviously had, like, you could run ads throughout the live scoring and they were who knows how many people checking you disc live scoring throughout the weekend. Yeah. That's a lot of hits. That's what I'm saying though. I can, I could literally, that revenue stream away. I could still go to an event, just be in the gallery, see every single shot and keep you disc live. And as long as you disc, if you just still had as this, like the same product, people would choose it over the PDJ live I would, every yeah. time. Yeah. I went to you disc live like six times, Man, even mean, though I knew this weekend was on PDJ oh live. Gosh, I'd, I'd be like, Oh, I gotta check the score. I'd pull out you disc, hit you disc live and be like, I'm really gonna. What the be, heck is I'm it? I'm really gonna be bummed out if they don't like. And yeah. it, now that being said, like PDGA, they've got resources. Like, yeah, just whatever. Use it, everything UDisc is doing from a live scoring standpoint is not proprietary. Or yeah, anything. you can figure it out. Yeah, just do it. And but then, just it, and please then figure it out. I'll be like, whatever. Like, I'll be like, okay, you know, business is business, but you better not mess it up. Yeah, that's that's my biggest thing. Is like if you're you can gonna provide ha- the same product, and only difference is we got to go to pjlive.com versus an app on the phone. If that's the only difference, I'm okay. You know what? I don't like that UDisc is missing out, but again, they didn't. There's nothing proprietary. There's no patent on it. It is what it is. But if we get a worse product, just to, I mean, because that's the other thing too is like, the what what did we lose here? Because like, what if we? I mean, I'd assume the UDisc would be willing to pay to be at Pro Tour events if you like if you rubber met the road. Yeah, I don't know what the like money relationship was between UDisc and the Pro Tour and yeah. like what it is with the PDGA and why Cuz also the the season wanted. long stats from UDisc and yeah. like all of that. I mean, the Yikes. PDGA like if if this is true, if that's truly what's happening and please I hope it's not. But if it is, then PDGA you got about 2 weeks to get your act together for the entire Pro Tour season because the stats when I clicked on stats tab for the weekend, all it gave me was birdies on the course of like which hole was the easiest, which hole was the hardest. No it gave me no. nothing on circle one, circle two, fairways hit, all of that gone. gone. Uh, so yeah, actually, the more I think about it, that's way bigger, way worse than I was expecting. Yeah, because like we used I guess because you missed you as, missed all those stats as like quote unquote analysts. You know, we use those stats to talk about what happened. Like it, it helps tell the so story. it tells the story because you yeah. can look at what player because like then oh man. Like if I, this is true, if that, I really hope I'm wrong. I, I'm trying to think, like, I'm trying to think why UDisc wouldn't have been there. That's what I'm thinking, right? It's a pro tour, like, the pro, they were at the pro tour finale. 
And why haven't they posted their the schedule s- yet? The sketchiest thing is that the PDGA did just overhaul their live scoring, like the look. But of also it. the UDISC schedule for 2021 yeah. was posted in December of mm, 2020. See, I was about to ask you that. Yeah, the UDISC schedule hasn't been posted yet, and we're two weeks away. Oh my gosh, dude, I'm gonna be so. Mad. I really, I really hope. Everybody, this let's is get, all... let's just get mad. No, let's get, let's everybody get mad. <laughs> I hope this Even is all. Spec- no, no, no. Wait for PDGA. Vegas. No, wait for Vegas. I'm let's so all get mad. Angry. Yeah, I'm so let's wait for right Vegas. Now. But if Vegas comes and there's no stats, and You're it's PDGA right. live. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are tweet. we doing? We start a tweet. Should we boycott? Should we make T-shirts that say like that say boycott? Bring back UDISC. Let's just make the UDISC logo in the PDGA colors and sell T-shirts. Love it. Our disc. <laughs> Hashtag our disc. Hashtag our disc. No, okay. Let's just before we figure out. Our let's wait pro. for Vegas. Let's wait for Vegas and see if it's true. Wait see for if there's Vegas an announcement. and see if it's true. Wait, wait for, for Vegas and see if it's true. true. Okay. So we'll do that. that. It just sounded like a really it good really chant. It really did sound like I a good chant. I love a good chant. I'm all, good you know, chant. if someone's chanting, I'm always joining in. I, know <laughs> I don't know what it's for, but... Um, what, do we want to go straight to Trevor's Trivia, or do we want to play a little game before Trevor's Ooh, Trivia? I, I like games. All right, let's play yeah, a little game. This was actually Trevor's idea, but it's not Trevor's Trivia. I'm uh, so, with the skills match, skills event for next year, what is one skills event you'd like to see added? It can be anything. I want to see how high they can throw. See, that's no, a great that's one. Sick. That's high. sick. That's Matt a great Bert. one. Like have like different levels of like basically like pole vaulting, but instead they're just levels. They should have a wall. <laughs> they should have a wall that like that when would you, be so high in the air. No, they should have a wall that when you hit the wall, it leaves a mark. Like it mm. changes the color of it, so it's very visual. Uh, how and tall you throw, would that wall? Very have tall. To be. It's very so tall. tall. <laughs> uh, you throw from like twenty five feet back. And you're just yeah. chucking straight up at it. So when your disc hit, it like leaves a color. Do we just invent a new X game sport? It's like so That's, useless. Yeah. But no, I love I'd it. love it. I think um, it's like the game that Brody played of like you I think throw you that have tree. To, I think you yeah, that's I think you have to throw over something because that's actually semi practical. Maybe just, maybe it's just like a high jump where you like set the line and you're like, I can throw this yeah, high. And you get yeah. like three attempts to do it. I that's thrilling. I love just that. like aiming directly. I came up, up with that air. on the spot. I came up with yeah, it. that's amazing. I said it as a joke, but it's kind of it's like that would be so much fun to watch. Fun idea. All right, um, Trevor. I've I've got a couple ideas. Good, I like. I don't have any. So sneak me. One. I like <laughs> sneak me. One. I like a skipping competition where they throw skip shots on the water, and you got to go for like maximum skips and distance. Yeah, it's like both factored cool. in because I like watching the disc skip on the water. And then um, my other one, I wanted... And then you might see companies start developing discs for skipping on the water. That's right. Innovate, baby. Um, I want to see a... Dang it. Um, I want to see a roller competition. Dang it. That was, that was the only one I just thought But of. <laughs> But the, the skill of your roller has nothing to do with distance or anything. It's just a each time, you can go forehand or backhand roller, and each time it's a bigger loop-de-loop that it has to make it around. So the loop de loop gets taller. So you got to throw a harder roller each time to make it around the loop. All right, I'm going. I'm going with a, really a version of Connor's game that I just thought of. But it. instead of how high, it's how far can you park. So you set the distance of how far out a basket is, and you have to land within 30 mm. feet. So the players uh, can would, name uh, it, and it's like whoever has the farthest distance yeah. that they park it wins. It would be good to have just like a pig, honestly, like pig or horse. That's cool too. Type of thing. Yeah, yeah that'd something be fun. where like the players are calling. The I think shot it'd be cool like to like that. set the line of like, all right, you know what. I so going first is a huge disadvantage. Like I'm gonna put it at 450. For I also, you me. know, it'd be a simple one. <laughs> they would, Garrett Gerth would be like 620 out there. Then he parks it, and parks. Trevor's like, I've got to throw 625. I got. So you got to go back so, five yeah, feet. That's I cool. This. I also, you know, a simple one would be just guts. Like have the pros play guts. Oh, that's a bad idea. No, it's right cool. before the se- season, no, dude. But they use real discs. <laughs> <laughs> Disc dodgeball would be. Like disc ball, disc ball, disc ball, dodge, dodge, dodge disc. disc. <laughs> if you can dodge a disc, you can dodge a ball. That's right. All right, time for the fan favorite segment, Trevor's trivia. Okay, what we got this week? So this is gonna be. I haven't done this in a long time. Um, I love when you start with that. <laughs> these are the like, who am I game, Trevor? Where I basically yes, got him. You win. That's it. Um, basically, I'm gonna list hints for. I have two different players, and then the way we're gonna do it this time, though, since I like pitting you all against each other, it's way more fun. I have an FPO player, and then I have an MPO player, and I'm going to just slowly read down the hints. And the first person to say The first it person is. to say it wins. If you guess and you guess wrong, the other person gets the next guaranteed guess. gets the next guess, and they can even wait out all the hints. Ooh. So just know that like, you got to pick your moment. Okay. You got to pick your moment. First, we're going FPO player. Here we go. Ready? 
I'm just like guessed right now. <laughs> I'm from Canyon Lake, Texas. I'm rated 947. I have 70 career wins. I have 95,000 in career earnings. I won two A tiers and a silver series last season. 2009 was my rookie season. I'm sponsored by Innova. Lisa Fakus? Got it. Oh, dang it. I was in Texas and I was stuck on Texas. <laughs> I, you always get stuck on the location. I get stuck on and weird t- ones. So I always pick is, ones that are like. The a funny bit thing tough. is, the name I was just going to blurt out at the beginning as a joke was going to be Lisa Fakus. <laughs> should have just done it. Do it this time. All right. MPO player. Lisa Fakus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. MPO player. I'm from Alpena, Michigan. Kyle Klein. No. Gosh darn it. So now you get as much time as you want. Heck yeah. 48 career you wins. You just sit there and just watch me sit here. 82,000 in career earnings. My best finish last year on the Pro Tour was third. 2015 was my rookie season, and I switched sponsors in the offseason. That's it? That's all you get. Wait. Your biggest hints there are probably going to be the third place finish being the best yeah. from Michigan and then switch sponsors in all season. And the 2015 switch rookie season, actually. There's a lot of good hints in there. Switch. Do you have an idea, Hunter? No. Oh, okay. Well, that makes me feel like at least. Well, there's only so many there's only so many well, guys that switch sponsors and then how many and how many are from Michigan? I don't know. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. You of, could probably rule out quite a few because you probably do know where a lot of them are from. And then also one that finished like best finish was third on the pro tour last year. See that that one means nothing to me because I can't. If, but if you go from the list of guys, I'm that just trying to think of sponsors that win. probably yeah that's what I'm, I'm saying. Just, that's what I'm trying to think of people who didn't like you win. can already rule out a few people. Switch sponsors last like 2022, 2021. I mean this off like this past off season that we are in right now. They, oh yes, they have yes, just yes, switched. Yes, yes, yes. They've just switched. They sponsors. just switched. Okay. Um. I will also say they are ranked in the top 12 in the world. I uh, that threw out my one guess. <laughs> I believe they're in that top 12. Okay, well, definitely just, in the top 15. I'm just going to think who just switched, and then that way I can at least get Hunter to help me out. Um, I want to say, I, I, no, Chris Dickerson is not from Michigan. He sure isn't. <laughs> guess him. <laughs> Mm. I think I'm gonna start a timer. That's uh, yeah. I, I I'm making this segment very boring. I'm trying to think of another hint I can I can throw out. But if I throw, I'm gonna throw out another hint. But then it's opening it I back have, up. To I both have of my you. guess. How oh. about give me give me another hint and then give me ten seconds. And if I don't get okay. in ten seconds, go ahead and let Hunter guess. Your last hint. I'll just say that this was one of the more surprising moves of the offseason. Oh wait, 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 wait! Who, who went? To, is who went to Infinite? No, that was it. That was Eric Oakley. And that I don't think that was. I don't think he finished third. That's what I'm saying. I don't. Gosh. Oh <laughs> man! I like this. I like my brain is gone. You I can't. Don't stop I can't y'all. even think. Hunter of who usually. Moved. I thought I was going to say the location. I've got, I've got my player, but I don't think it's right. Well, then it definitely isn't. Like everything is. Like you would know if you had it. I think. Go. Do you want me to say my guess? Go ahead and go, Hunter. Matty O. No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah, because he's from the South, He's from Bama. Yeah, but everything else was the only thing I think of. Uh, Last hint. Top three. Last hint. This is going to be rapid I feel like whenever we find out what it is, we're going to be so upset. Yeah, I know. I think we're going to be putting with the same putters this year. Andrew Uh, Marweed. Yeah. Nice. And Andrew Marweed. I forgot he moved. <laughs> I, mean, I, was with you. I did too. His name never came in my mind. Dang, Not once. I'm 100% with you. Ouch. Yeah, I was thinking through Chris Dickerson, Matty O, Eric Oakley, and they just kept going through my head. I'm like, no, no, no. Because Eric Oakley's from Salt Lake City, Utah. Dickerson's yeah. from Tennessee. And I was like, Matty O's got to be a Bama boy, but like maybe he was born in Michigan and moved to Bama yeah, later. Yeah, that's what I need. I need like a sneaky. That's what I was thinking was happening. Mm-hmm. Marweed didn't even cross my mind. Kyle Klein, I was as soon as you said Michigan, good, I was immediately like, oh, Kyle Klein. I think he's from Michigan. Always, I know you game. always try to snipe me on the location. Yeah, 
That was a great game, Trevor. That was yeah, a good game. job. Thank you. I'm All sorry right. we were not that great of contestants. No, it's better than you getting it right away. I had, <laughs> I had a thought last night. Oh, I love thoughts. And I love thoughts. I, this might this might not even be a topic, but it could be because I was watching. Oh. I was, well, I don't know if it's gonna be a discussion wait, or not. Wait, I'm just gonna say up. a statement, everybody. Just no, this might up. just Hunter's be a very this might be a very stupid thought. Just go ahead, say okay, it. Okay, say your stupidness. I was watching, I was watching, uh, I forget who it was. I was watching one of the players putt. doesn't really matter because all the putting form kind of looks the same, which is where my mind came from. All the putting form looks the same? Well, similarly, that we're facing the basket with our shoulders square oh. and our arm goes down. Did you invent a new up. way to putt? No, I was oh. just thinking though, like Dang our sport's it. so young, right? Why do we accept that is the correct way to putt? Because I've realistically- said this, I've had this take before. Because when you look at it, it doesn't look like a natural way to throw a Frisbee. Mm-mm. Oh, right? You're, oh, you're talking. I you're had. Right. I did say before. And like I, who? Who came up with? Who invented putting, this way of putting? Putting is the most ridiculous looking thing to people outside of disc golf. Whenever they watch disc golfers putt, I feel like that's the part that looks weird. Mm. That's what I'm thinking. Is like why? Golf. Why do we putt the way that we do? And is well, is that something that like someone's going to come on the tour and just, just like change it up? Well, think yeah. about it though. The way we putt right now is so you're basically. Let's talk about the difference between putting and throwing a normal shot. Number one, you're going to fan your fingers out so that you have a cleaner release, right? So you're not trying to. You're not, I do that with all my shots of putters. Number two, what a lot of putters do is not spin putt. So they're taking their wrist out. You're using your bigger levers in your body so that you have less left right miss. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're doing that. So that makes sense. You're also facing the basket because you can. <laughs> you want to look at the basket the whole time. Yeah. So like I don't know. Like what? But what why? It, why is spin putting so bad? Because you have it's a, you have a bigger there's, chance of yeah. There's a left wider right. array. Of but my thing most is, putts are trying to keep their miss up sure, and down. Sure, absolutely. What? Okay, give me an example of something that you could pick out of that putting that would be like game changing. I don't think like there might be some kind of like new. Uh, so what I was thinking, right? Philosophy is like, to in it, theory, but like. In theory, the thing that makes someone good at emotion like that is just repeating it so much. Well, mm-hmm. let, let's say, but let's say this though. We what, here's what we do know about putting. We do know about putting is there are people good enough at it that they will never, ever, pretty much ever miss a putt except for their mental game. Yeah. No, sure, sure. So, like, we don't, like, putting doesn't have to get in. I'm better. more thinking, it's always like, a brain thing. Inside mm-hmm. 20 feet, inside 25 feet for pros, it doesn't matter what your putting form's like. Like, if your mental game's strong, you're not going to hold onto a disc too long spin putting. Because like some of the best putters in the I, world are spin putters. I want to know what your, what your development what is. What I'm thinking is, is like once you get to like 35 to 40 feet, if you're a push putter, it's really hard to generate that type of power. Yeah. Typically, you guys spin it a little more. Yeah, exactly. So all, all only thing I was thinking is I was just watching it and I had this like moment of like, in my mind, I forgot everything I knew about disc golf. Mm. And mm. I just that went, explains a lot. I immediately went, why do they throw it that way when they putt? Well, it's kind of like, you see what I'm saying. What? Yeah, like that's just where my mind was. I was like, I, I was like, why do we putt like that? I understand your thoughts. I you have know, said, you see what I'm saying. Yes. I have said before with like disc golf form. I did say before, like it's interesting that we've all accepted this is how you throw a disc the best. I wonder if someday a guy will come in with like science and like new technology and be like, well, actually, you get more speed and stuff out of this, like because we don't measure a lot of stuff. And like putting, I'm trying to think like in the golf world. Like putting is all about straight back, straight through, like to some degree. But there's like, well, there's some. There, but what, putting, what, putting golf form is very similar to what hitting we, golf. We form. might, what we might see is somebody develop a product that dis, that finds like the best nose angle. I think it comes down to like data. Like when people have the data to know this is the best nose angle for this kind of wind. This is the best trajectory your arm should go on. We might find a better like this is the standard way that you should putt a disc. I agree with that. I, agree I, just saw, I don't know. I just because had a moment like, where I just looked at it and I was like, you do see, we look weird when we putt. You do see Why people, do do people will spin putt from their left shoulder and then people are push putting from here. And like one of those, like scientifically, is probably a better way to putt. Yeah. So you're right. There probably will come a day where people will more accept like this is the best way to putt and it's because it's backed by science. Yeah. Well, not, I don't know. I was just, not like, but I do also agree that like a lot of putting at the end of the day does come down to feel. But... Like I said with golf, like when you start getting to that fighting for every inch mentality and like looking at the deep numbers, like there are guys that make very minute changes based on very, very specific numbers. It's also kind of like that's something we don't have in disc golf. Cornhole, they haven't really changed up how you throw the beanbag, dude. Those cornhole guys are pros. Works. They're awesome. I think it's just like anything putting and cornhole. I think are very similar. Is cornhole the best like, like crossover sport? Might be. Well, like that's what I was saying. Is are like, you it's nasty just a, at putting if you're a good cornhole player? Or are you nasty at cornhole if you're a good putting player? 
And like it, it all I was thinking Think though in my head was just like <laughs> it, it's such a small repetitive motion. You're that just like, a rebellious guy. If you get good at whatever motion it is, right, it's gonna work. But putter. is it the best? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Though, that, like, th- no, that's our sport's so young. True. So like, how like we won't. at some point, I guess more so what I was thinking is at some point someone had to decide I'm not gonna throw this frisbee a normal way. I'm going to have my arm go back and yeah. forth straight at it. Yeah. And like what no. made us all accept literally, that as no. gospel? Literally Probably disc golf. They were really good at putting. Yeah. No, disc golf is literally at this point all based on what feels good and then people seeing things they like in other people. Because the other thing too it. that made me think about it, the more I thought about this, is I was like, it also is somewhat true that like when you first start playing disc golf, 15 footers feel very easy because you're not thinking about missing all yeah. this. You're just tossing a frisbee towards a chains. Like no, 100%. very simple. Then the second you start developing putting form, your you putting goes downhill. Putting. You suck at it. You start thinking about and it. And some people like me, I think I was better at making a 20 footer when I first it's started just, than right now. No, it's yeah. the same. It's like if somebody hands you this right now and you were just like all by yourself and you're like, I'm going to toss that into that basket 25 feet away. You're probably not missing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But no, it's it's literally like... Cause so like, like, why do we why do we change the form if it's just like, oh, I just catch it and toss it, it's, it and it goes in. It's all mm-hmm. feel... Whereas like in golf right now, when you're like developing a golf swing, it's all numbers. Like they're like, we know the numbers. You need to change your swing to create this kind of number. You need to lower your spin rate. You need to change your attack angle. Disc golf, we don't really have that data. Nobody's looking at that. So it's all just when you're developing your putt, you're, all you're thinking about is how does that feel? That and did it go be, in the basket? See, the so whole thing I was thinking you, about like was, that's what I was just looking at. This is how Paul putts, so right. I must need imagine, to putt like that. Imagine around. if you're on a putting simulator of some sort, and you throw a putt, and you see nose angle, spin rate, wobble, like all these things, and and you can like throw another putt, and then see, oh, that one had better numbers. Like that would be awesome because I tried to get Brody to fix my putt a few months ago. It didn't work, man. And by get Brody, I mean I was putting, and it was so bad that Brody was like, "Well, he's like, you got to figure something out." He's like six five, that and was- he was he kept on like giving me tips. But the problem is that he's so much taller than me. Yeah. So those tips work for him. They just don't. And it, it, I was like, I wish that there was like a, this is what's wrong. Not yeah. a like, this is what seems like what's wrong or this is what works for me. But like, a, this is the right way to do mm-hmm. it. 100%. Well, there probably will never be this is the right because everyone's different. No. I, I no. want so the like right Some way. people are going to be better spin well, putters than they are push yes. putters. This is the lighter. other thing too is like even with golf, there are a million different ways to achieve the, the numbers, right? So yeah. like putting will always have different styles. However, what, what you do see in golf is a lot of people at impact of the golf ball look very similar because they are, at the end of the day, no matter what they do in their swing, they're trying to achieve a similar result at impact. So what you might see is if we get that data, you're going to have people achieving the same thing with their putt. It just still looks different how they get to it. Yeah. That's what might happen. I don't know. It was just something I thought of. That's a great thought. I've uh, also thought that, and I think it will happen someday. There, there's gonna be more objective truths about this golf form because right now we're just all lying to each other. Yeah. Last thing to talk about this weekend, <laughs> and I actually want to. We have a, a first hand reporter on the ground was the Wolfpack Cross County Classic, I was and there, Mr. So Trevor Staub was there. So walk me, us through oh, what happened. Yeah. Okay. Trevor. First give us, of all, give us a little story. Let me tell you what I saw in the like two thirds of the first round that I was there. Um, <laughs> number one, they put in two temp holes. On uh, there, so they made it a, a twenty-hole course. Because mm. after you get off a of seventeen there, before you go to eighteen, there's two holes like out in the field, and they made one like this elevated basket island hole. It was sick. Um, here's what I saw out of the uh, teams that I were watching: not a lot of good golf. <laughs> but what I did see more so than that, you know what I saw and that I missed was like like the team like my brother's team like they weren't playing super well they they were not having a good round they were not throwing a lot of good shots but you know what they were having fun and that reminded me of like how college disc golf like i had we we all had abysmal doubles rounds together but we always laughed and like mm-hmm. had so much fun and you know what they went out and shot even uh in in collegiate doubles the first round which is not good and then they shot eight under the next round dang they turned it around because of the morale mm-hmm. that's what it all comes now, down this to. is always one of the like bigger uh whatchamacallit's there was a lot of, of the teams year. there. But there's yeah, there's 114 players. I can't find the results. To okay, so let me tell you how they did the format too. Because I didn't want to explain this. So the way they did this format is typically the way it works is everybody plays. You A lot of these qualifiers go two rounds of doubles, one round of singles. And a lot of times it's just like everybody plays doubles, two rounds. And then everybody plays the round of singles. Or doubles, singles, doubles. Sometimes it is. But in this one, there were so many teams that the way they did it was 
some people were playing their singles rounds while other people were playing their doubles, depending on what division you were in. So, like, there it was, like, the A division was playing singles that first day while the other divisions were playing doubles. So, that's why it was, like, kind of confusing. So, but there were three rounds. Yeah, no, they went, they did do two, two rounds doubles. of doubles, one round so of singles. So, on the team results, I can only see the two rounds of doubles, and Appalachian State won that. But then on the singles results, I can only see players singles. Man, who handled the scoring for this? PDGA. PDGA. Oh well, technically, I mean, but you can't. What, what should have happened <laughs> really is on score. the team results, they should have added a round two that had the singles round, like yes. how it was either averaged or all put together. Because like I don't know who won. I want to be able to tell you who won, but I have no clue. I know Ben Wolf from Clemson won singles, and I know Appalachian State had the best double scores, but that doesn't mean anything because like Clemson nothing. was six strokes behind, and that's nothing in singles. Doesn't mean a nothing. single thing. And the yeah, and like Liberty had their full champ flight in the top six. Did College Disc Golf host about it? And Liberty was in fifth. They had to make up eleven sh- or nine strokes. Did College Disc Golf host about it? I'll look on Instagram, but I don't believe I saw it. Trevor, do you think that your brother gets like crap on the team? He's like, oh, that's Trevor's brother. I don't know. I, I think no. He definitely he. How do I say this without sounding like a narcissist? <laughs> You just he, gotta send it. He just definitely, say it, okay. and then we'll make fun he, of you. He hears. He definitely hears about it. Like he. he Dude, has you're said, such a narcissist. Okay. Dude. But um, his team was super cool. His like his like little double squad. Like they had like a good vibe going. The only they thing, weren't they weren't quite as like obnoxious as like my old team. But hey man. No, like we, we like we like like they would like like giggle and like laugh it off, but like, no, we, we would bust up laughing. Like no, we like, were toxic. No, like you remember, like I we would Trevor. we would throw a <laughs> we would throw a bad shot. And like we would just turn around, we'd all be just oh be laughing yeah, we'd at each all be laughing. Like that's what I'm saying. Like we would just be cracking up. Like there was no in like, doubles. It was a very there was, fun time. Yeah, there was no awkward silence. Like oh, bad shot. Like like they, no, it you was were made every, fun of everybody was just laughing at each other, and it was the best. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, <laughs> college disc golf. Their most recent post is me and you actually walking out of the tunnel yeah, at nationals no, with that. Nate Carroll about to spike the flag in the ground. That's a great picture. Yeah. Uh, so they haven't posted anything after that. Maybe on their story. Let's look at their story. App State takes the win. Let's Boom. go, man. Shout out Luke Combs. What? He went there. Oh. It's only App State. Oh, App see, State. look. I can just look at App State disc golf, and here we go. So App State knocked off number one ranked UNCC, number two ranked Liberty, and host number 17 ranked, that's low, NC State, in an epic comeback against number 16 Clemson. Let's go. I'm going to just read this whole summary. After starting off with a hot round, uh, Three players that they just have their tags. I don't know what their names are. Had to battle back to keep App in the running while Ben kept our average afloat with an excellent five under in singles. Down two strokes going into Sunday and needing an outright win due to Clemson's singles averaged. Leaked some strokes in the middle of the round with their backs against the wall. App State A gained five strokes over the final seven holes to take oh. home their club's first ever road win. That is sick. I still remember. Boom. Appalachian State takes it down. One of the craziest events we played in. We played at Clemson uh, the one year. And we went into the last, we didn't play well in singles. And we went into the last doubles round down by five. And that is a lot to climb it's against a, a good in team of doubles at their home course. And five holes in, we were one stroke back. We had popping like, off. We had like a, we had like a 30 was foot. Was year I was there? Yeah. I'm just we, acting like I was. I don't remember it. <laughs> we had like a 30, you don't remember that? We literally like, we just, we took one stroke. I've got nothing stroke, but bad memories. We got to the Central, island man. hole. We get to the island hole and Pete and I have like a 30 footer. And at that point it would have gotten us like a few holes in. Yeah, I tied. It would have got us tied with them. And we both bricked it in yep. front of coach. And then at that, that point, from that point on, we never even tied it up. We no, couldn't even catch it. We couldn't it. even get back. Yep. I do remember that now. Electric. Absolutely electric. Yeah. Cause we started on the, uh, we started on that like hole. Going into that tunnel. Yeah, into the and tunnel. And I ripped it in there and we yeah. took two strokes on the first hole. Yep, I remember that. Oh, man. We were There's f- nothing like collegiate doubles. We were firing Frick, all, I sing- love it. all cylinders. <laughs> I miss it. I do Take too. me back. I was like, you know what? Let's reclass. Let's just it was, forget our jobs, go back to college. It was crazy the <laughs> amount of jealousy I had, like standing like around all those community. kids. And like, I was like, we got it. Are we going to nationals and playing on the so alumni? So badly. I wanted probably not. It's in April, man. In so Jor- in so badly Carolina. I wanted to be playing in that event though. Like I was like, look, me, you, and Connor, we just gotta find our fourth. I was like, I could totally <laughs> pass for one of these kids. Dude, like, come on, dude, we got this. We would get killed. But it'd be fun. Think of how Maybe. much. Think of the memories, the core memories we would have. Such good. It's mess. tough though when you're not actually like when you don't have the pressure of walking back onto your bus. No, yeah, that, that was the it. best part. Because like that's the thing is like. You're you gotta, you gotta walk back on the bus. That's how it is bogey bro battles. Just walk back to the car and we just all sit in the car quiet like. 
well, that was a bloodbath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it was much worse because you'd like come back from shooting singles and like you either Somebody had a great did. round and yeah. you were like soaked yeah. to come back and be like, what do you guys shoot? I had yeah. an eight under. <laughs> or you were the guy that shot the three over and you had to walk back you, to like I Ryan say, and Pete's mm-hmm. smiling faces. And they're about to tell you they shot 17 down. You're like, yeah, guys, I let us all down. Somebody, I shot three over. Somebody did make the comment to me because we were at East Clayton, which is where we got slaughtered in the That's where we were tired. Oh. Yeah, also that. Wait, it's where we retired we lost, from our professional And somebody, somebody said to me, like, oh, like, oh, last time you were here, it didn't work out so well. Like, what are you doing back here? Like, okay. And uh, <laughs> and I was thinking he was talking about when we had played a, a tournament there, but he was talking about the bogey bro battle. And I was like, oh, I've been murdered twice there now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been murdered every time I step foot on that property. Hey, I love yeah. my round there. It's I, fun course. It's I a very had, fun I made, It is hard. I made it murders Pete, us. so hard. I made Pete really upset whenever I walked back out because I shot the same score as him. Good job, man. I was I was the reason why he was upset. We're about to see to Pete bus. month. Yeah, we're going to go play him. In, um, Dallas, dude. Who's Dallas? That's Dallas. That's Dallas, man. College disc golf is fun. If you're in college right now and you have a disc golf team, like get on it. What are you doing? Best time of your life. I'm pretty sure if they're in college, have a disc golf team and are listening to this they're podcast, they're, no. on, they're on their disc golf. But team. you know, like at our school, like there were a lot of kids who like were into disc golf, That's and it true. took them a while to join the That's team. True. You just got to leap. <laughs> That's true. Just take the take the plunge. Some kid just got a scholarship. Yeah, yeah, Oklahoma Christian or something. There's some university that has it's offering a scholarship to disc golfers. Dude, wow, I would have taken that. But then, yeah. I feel like I could have like catfished my way into a scholarship, and then <laughs> not been good. <laughs> yeah. All right, there you have it. We'll talk to you again next Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. New time, new place. Yeah, same place. New time. Same. See you then.